Hi folks, this is Rue. And Dave. And welcome to So Many Books. So Little Time. Today we continue with Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey and Chapter 13. Woo! Music! I had a procedure. Um, I was horizontal for almost a week. I am now slowly less horizontal. I still have to pace myself a bit, not overdo it. Mm. I never overdo things. It's not like I go into hyperfocus. Never, ne- never, all the time. All the she time. just I cares into, so much. I go into far too much hyperfocus. It's a problem. Anyway, but that's what medications are for, and having little timers, and. Um, and whiteboards everywhere telling me, stop, (laughs) drink water, take a break. (laughs) That's my life. Um, ADHD life, hashtag. Um, yes, so, uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I, I posted a thing and I reached out to my fellow sciencey nerdy folks, asking them if they had experienced nightmares that were lab-related or, like, science-related. Um, and, and that were not, like... They, they were very strange things, like, my experiment didn't work, and then you have this nightmare. Or, or, or like, a nightmare about your experiment's not working. Or you have nightmares about walking into a lab barefoot. Or <laughs> things like that. They're very specific dreams. It's a very specific subgroup of dreams. And I was just thinking... This can't just be me. It has to be other people too. I can't be the only one who go who has nightmares about not wearing the right protective equipment or or having contamination of their cell culture or whatever other things that are sitting in my mind. Um, and yes, another person said, yeah, they, they dreamt that the long molecules in organic chemistry were strangling her um, <laughs> when she was studying organic chemistry. And I, uh, th- th- I'm like, I'm going, well, that's a reasonable dream. <laughs> like, that's a reasonable nightmare. Um, and, and now I want to know in other fields what it would be. Would it be like for a coder, would it be like a bug that you just can't figure out where the bug is? Like you're, de- you're trying to debug a code. And it's just you, you can't remember how to debug. Or dreams about forgetting how to do things, forgetting how to do reasonable things. Like, I can't remember how to see. Or... I can't remember how writing works or like different things that you going that you use every day or that you are that are part of your standard skill set that you going I can't remember how to do this anymore um, in your nightmares. And well, I thought that was kind of yeah. the one I always get and it happens very frequently is the like I'm doing some form of schooling and it's reaching the end of the semester and either I haven't been attending class or I haven't finished the science. Basically, it's the fear that, oh, yeah, I'm going to be failing this one subject or yeah. th- this one thing. And it happens all the time because I um, listeners probably don't know this. You know this, Rue. Um, yeah. I took many attempts at university before I finally was able to get a bachelor's and 
one of the reasons was, yeah, A, I didn't go to class. It's amazing that you fail when you don't go to class. <laughs> and Attendance, B was, yes. Yeah. And B was just, um, yeah, ba basically I couldn't work my head around time management, like attending lectures and actually doing what was assigned to me. And once I figured that out, yeah, university was a breeze. But there were many attempts at many different degrees that ended in tragedy because of that. And I guess mainly the nightmares must still be linked to those anxieties because like the whole the whole time that was happening, I knew like failure was coming, yet it didn't se I didn't seem to be able to course correct anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, the fun, like the, 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 a fundamental theory behind it is also that there are certain times of the year that that fear or those dreams tend to increase and it tends to be associated with. So for me, it was associated with uh, my year 12, so final year exams. I have, they were fairly intense or I wasn't particularly well or like there were different things that were going on uh, or I had a bad in interaction with a teacher like towards September, uh, October, whatever happened around this time, it's cemented. And so this time of the year, it's always during March, March, April, because I did a, a medical aptitude test then, and, and I was sick whilst doing it. And it was exhausting and incredibly difficult. It was like two days of just absolute torture. Um, and then the other one was that I'd done, um, like the the final exams or mocks mock final exams roughly in September um, October, and so those both those time periods I now in my mind have firmly cemented with tests examinations uh, being assessed for competency or aptitude and so that's what it feeds on feeds from. So and a lot of you'll notice it also with like when you work with academics when it's time for the academic reviews or they're coming up. They fall into their, their I guess, trauma-informed brain. So their brain goes very much into the a, a very reactive state or they don't realize they're being emotionally dysregulated when they are interacting. And it tends to be around review times. Mm. Um, those are a few times a year as well. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you start predicting, okay, I know this is going to be coming up. I know they're going to be difficult to interact with about this time of the year. So any interactions and anything I need to get done Anything that requires their assistance, I need to get it all done before and way after, not during, never during. Mm. Um, and and I, I wonder also if uni exam blocks or like census dates or things like that would also influence. Um, and of course, there's there's life events, uh, passing of, of family, uh, like th those things leave a mark. And now... The thought is, so we had uh, an interesting interaction with Catherine. Oh, we're swerving to the book. Okay. Oh, there's a relevance here because these things that have happened, these interactions that have happened. Um, so remember they went to, there was a whole bunch of things where there was, uh, there was a, a misunderstanding. Um there was a deliberate distraction from or a deliberate interference on the part of Mr. Thorpe and Miss Thorpe, arguably. And we were discussing how if you contrast the Thorpes with the Tilneys, although there's something a bit strange about General Tilney, Mr. and Miss Tilney seem to be quite pleasant and very like Miss Tilney's quite understanding, like the fact that when she um, 
when Catherine had a talk with Mr. Tilney to assure them that assure him at the theater that no, no, it was not intentional. Um, there was a misunderstanding. I had no control of the situation. I should have known better than to trust these guys. Um, but I didn't, I think that's the other thing. I think he realizes that she doesn't know not to trust those kind of people. Hmm. He's slowly getting an inkling that he, she doesn't actually, that there's nothing insincere about her. She's not that kind of person. The challenge is that she's surrounded by people that might not be the most sincere in the planet. Mm. Um, and now we have this challenge that at the end of the, the night um, at the theater that Mr. Thorpe decided to talk to uh, General Tilney about her. Yeah. Um, and he says, oh, he really likes you. He thinks you're very pretty. And and quite, he thinks, the general thinks you're the finest girl in Bath. And um, <laughs> uh, my favorite line here in this thing was, here, uh, so when, when Thorpe said, um, oh, I and I told the general I agreed with him wholeheartedly that he had good taste kind of thing. Like, yeah, I agree, me too. And um, he says to Catherine, and Catherine's like, here, Catherine, who was much less gratified by his admiration than by General Tilney's, was not sorry to be called away by Mr. Allen. <laughs> it's like, yeah, thanks, mate. Not interested. But all right. <laughs> so yes. So hopefully, hopefully, um, that this we are we are on on the mend with the Tilneys and Catherine until yes. the next misunderstanding. Well, misunderstanding slash manipulation by the Thorps. Who knows? Let's find out. Um, but also Tilney. Um, when Tilney perceived himself or perceived his sister slighted. Remember his attitude towards Thorpe during the dance, right? Mm. Um, and he's like, "Look, if someone's serious about dancing with another person, they need to be they like it's exclusive." Um, and then seeing her on the, um, uh, what's it called? Buggy. Seeing her on on the carriage. I'm gonna say carriage. You know, it's not the right word, but seeing her on the carriage on the cart with um, Mr. Thorpe, despite literally the previous day having had a conversation about how that's not, it's not proper. If you're interested in me, you've got to be interested in me and not spend like not behave in a way that you looks like you're interested in someone else. Yeah. So, it, mm. um, that, uh, he was a bit cold. He, he has a cold temper. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he was also wasn't honest about being slighted. No, he, he's a bit haughty, but he also, he almost jokingly deflected when she pointed that out to him. But she told him straight up, look, you were, you were not nice before. You were not polite. And, and I thought I'd upset you. And he said, no, 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 I'm not upset. Yeah, you were upset. You can admit it. Like, it's okay. Um, but yeah. So it's, let us find what has happened. Yes. Hmm. Chapter 13. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday have now passed in review before the reader. The events of each day, its hopes and fears, mortifications and pleasures, have been separately stated, and the pangs of Sunday only now remain to be described and close the week. The Clifton scheme had been deferred, not relinquished, and on the afternoon's crescent of this day it was brought forward again. In a private consultation between Isabella and James, the former of whom had particularly set her heart upon going, and the latter no less anxiously placed his upon pleasing her, it was agreed 
that providing the weather were fair the party should take place on the following morning and they were off to set off very early in order to be at home in good time the affair thus determined and thorpe's appropriation secured catherine only remained to be apprised of it <sighs> she had left them for a few minutes to speak to miss tilney in that interval the plan was completed and as soon as she came again her agreement was demanded but instead of the gay acquiescence expected by isabella catherine looked grave and was very sorry but she could not go the engagement which ought to have kept her from joining in the former attempt would make it impossible for her to accompany them now she had that moment settled with miss tilney to take their proposed walk to-morrow it was quite determined and she would not upon any account retract but that she must and should retract was instantly the eager cry of both the thorpes they must go to clifton to-morrow and they would not go without her it would be nothing to put off a mere walk for a day longer and they could not hear of a refusal catherine was distressed but not subdued do not urge me isabella i am engaged to miss tilney i cannot go this availed nothing the same arguments assailed her again she must go she should go and they would not hear of a refusal it would be so easy to tell miss tilney that you had just been reminded of a prior engagement and must only beg to put off the walk till tuesday no it would not be easy i could not do it there has been no prior engagement but isabella became only more and more urgent calling on her in the most affectionate manner addressing her by the most endearing names she was sure her dearest sweetest catherine would not seriously refuse such a trifling request to a friend who loved her so dearly she knew her beloved catherine to have so feeling a heart so sweet a temper to be so easily persuaded by those she loved but all in vain catherine felt herself to be in the right and though pained by such tender such flattering supplication could not allow it to influence her isabella then tried another method she reproached her with having more affection for miss tilney though she had known her for so little a while than for her best and oldest friends with being grown cold and indifferent in short towards herself i cannot help being jealous catherine when i see myself slighted for strangers i who love you so excessively when once my affections are placed it is not in the power of anything to change them but i believe my feelings are stronger than anybody's i am sure that they are too strong for my own peace and to see myself supplanted in your friendship by strangers does cut me to the quick i own these tilneys seem to swallow up everything else <clears throat> catherine thought this approach equally strange and unkind was it the part of a friend thus to expose her feelings to the notice of others isabella appeared to her ungenerous and selfish regardless of everything but her own gratification these painful ideas crossed her mind though she said nothing isabella in the meanwhile had applied her handkerchief to her eyes and moreland miserable at such a sight could not help saying nay catherine i think you cannot stand out any longer now the sacrifice is not much and to oblige such a friend i shall think you quite unkind if you still refuse this was the first time of her brother's openly siding against her and anxious to avoid his displeasure she proposed a compromise if they would only put off this scheme till tuesday which they might easily do as it depended only on themselves she could go with them and everybody might then be satisfied but no 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 was the immediate answer that could not be for thorpe did not know that he might not go to town on tuesday what the heck thorpe 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Thorpe's every, just like everybody's being really dickish here. Except yes. Catherine. Nope, Catherine's being principled, yes. Catherine was sorry, but could do no more, and a short silence ensued, which was broken by Isabella, who, in a voice of cold resentment, said, Very well. Then there is an end of the party. If Catherine does not go, I cannot. I cannot be the only woman. I would not, upon any account in the world, do so improper a thing. Catherine, you must go, said James. But why cannot Mr. Thorpe drive one of his other sisters? I dare say either of them would like to go. Thank ye, cried Thorpe, but I did not come to Bath to drive my sisters about and look like a fool. No, if you do not go, damn me if I do. I only go for the sake of driving you. That is a compliment which gives me no pleasure. <laughs> but her words were lost on Thorpe, who had turned abruptly away. The three others still continued together, walking in a most uncomfortable manner to poor Catherine. Sometimes not a word was said. Sometimes she was again attacked with supplications or reproaches, and her arm was still linked within Isabella's, though their hearts were at war. At one moment she was softened, at another irritated, always distressed, but always steady. "'I did not think you had been so obstinate, Catherine,' said James. "'You were not used to be so hard to persuade.' You once were the kindest, best-tempered of my sister. I hope I am not less so now, she replied very feelingly, but indeed I cannot go. If I am wrong, I am doing what I believe to be right. I suspect, said Isabella in a low voice, there is no great struggle. Catherine's heart swelled. She drew away her arm, and Isabella made no opposition. Thus passed a long ten minutes till they were again joined by Thorpe, who, coming to get them with a gayer look, said, "'Well, I have settled the matter, and now we may all go to-morrow, with safe conscience. "'I have been to Miss Tilney and made your excuses.' "'You have not!' cried Catherine. "'I have upon my soul. Left her this moment. "'Told her you had sent me to say that, having just recollected a prior engagement "'of going to Clifton with us to-morrow, you could not have the pleasure of walking with her till Tuesday. "'She said, very well, Tuesday was just as convenient to her, "'so there is an end of all our difficulties. A pretty good thought of mine, hey?' Isabella's countenance was once again all smiles and good humour, and James, too, looked happy again. A most heavenly thought, indeed. Now, my sweet Catherine, all our distresses are over, you are honourably acquitted, and we shall have a most delightful party. This will not do, said Catherine. I cannot submit to this. I must run after Miss Tilney directly and set her right. Isabella, however, caught hold of one hand, Thorpe of the other, and remonstrances poured in from all three. Even James was quite angry when everything was settled, when Miss Tilney herself said that Tuesday would suit her as well. It was quite ridiculous, quite absurd to make any further objection. I do not care. Mr. Thorpe had no business to invent any such message. If I had thought it right to put it off, I could have spoken to Miss Tilney myself. This is only doing it in a ruder way. And how do I know that Mr. Thorpe has? He may be mistaken again, perhaps. He led me into one act of rudeness by his mistake on Friday. Let me go, Mr. Thorpe. Isabella, do not hold me. Thorpe told her it would be in vain to go after the Tilneys. They were turning the corner into Brock Street when he had overtaken them, and were at home by this time. Then I will go after them, said Catherine. Wherever they are, I will go after them. It does not signify talking. If I could not be persuaded into doing what I thought wrong, I will never be tricked into it. And with these words she broke away and hurried off. Thorpe would have darted after her, but Moreland withheld him. Let her go, let her go. If she will go, she is as obstinate as... 
Thorpe never got to finish the simile, for it could hardly have been a proper one. Away walked Catherine in great agitation as fast as the crowd would permit her, fearful of being pursued, yet determined to persevere. As she walked she reflected on what had passed. It was painful to her to disappoint and displease them, particularly to displease her brother, but she could not repent her resistance. Setting her own inclination apart, to have failed a second time in her engagement to Miss Tilney, to have retracted a promise voluntarily made only five minutes before, and on a false pretense too, must have been wrong. She had not been withstanding them on selfish principles alone. She had not consulted merely her own gratification. That might have been ensured, in some degree, by the excursion itself, by seeing Blaise Castle. No, she had attended to what was due others, and to her own character in their opinion. Her conviction of being right, however, was not enough to restore her composure. Till she had spoken to Miss Tilney, she could not be at ease, and, quickening at pace, when she got clear of the crescent, she almost ran over the remaining ground until she gained the top of Milsom Street. So rapid had been her movements that, in spite of the Tilney's advantage in the outset, they were but just turning into their lodgings as she came within view of them, and the servant still remaining at the open door, she used only the ceremony of saying that she must speak with Miss Tilney that moment, and hurrying by him proceeded upstairs. Then, opening the first door before her, what happened to be the right, she immediately found herself in the drawing-room with General Tilney, his son, and daughter. Her explanation, defective only in being from her irritation and nerves and shortness of breath, no explanation at all, was instantly given. "'I am come in a great hurry. It was all a mistake. I never promised to go. I told them from the first I could not go. I ran away in such a great hurry to explain it. I did not care what you thought of me. I would not stay for the servant.' The business, however, though not perfectly elucidated by this speech, soon ceased to be a puzzle. Catherine found that John Thorpe had given the message, and Miss Tilney had no scruple in owning herself greatly surprised by it. But whether her brother had still exceeded her in resentment, Catherine, though she instinctively addressed herself as much to one as to the other in her vindication, had no means of knowing. Whatever might have been felt before her arrival, her eager declarations immediately made every look and sentence as friendly as she could desire. The affair thus happily settled, she was introduced by Miss Tilney to her father, and received by him with such ready, such solicitous politeness as recalled Thorpe's information to her mind, and made her think with pleasure that he might be sometimes depended on. To such anxious attention was the general civility carried, that not aware of her extraordinary swiftness in entering the house, he was quite angry with the servant, whose neglect had reduced her to open the door of the apartment herself. <laughs> so he's upset that the servant didn't open the door for her to go into the the um uh, apartment not not that she rushed in but that the servant didn't catch up and speed up as well and, and open the door what did william mean by it he should make a point of inquiring into the matter and if catherine had not most warmly asserted his innocence it seemed likely that william would lose the favour of his master forever if not his place by her rapidity after sitting with them a quarter of an hour, she rose to take leave, and was then most agreeably surprised by General Tilney's asking her if she would do his daughter the honour of dining and spending the rest of the day with her. Miss Tilney added her own wishes. Catherine was greatly obliged, but it was quite out of her power. Mr. and Mrs. Allen would expect her back every moment. The general declared that he could say no more, the claims of Mr. and Mrs. Allen were not to be superseded, but on some other day, he trusted, when longer notice could be given, they would not refuse to spare her to her friend. 
oh no catherine was sure that they would not have the least objection and she should have great pleasure in coming the general attended her himself to the street door saying everything gallant as they went downstairs admiring the elasticity of her walk which corresponded exactly with the spirit of her dancing and making her one of the most graceful bows she had ever beheld when they parted catherine delighted by all that had passed proceeded gaily to pulteney street walking as she concluded with great elasticity though she had never thought of it before she reached home without seeing anything more of the offended party and now that she had been triumphant throughout had carried her point and was secure of her walk she began as the flutter of her spirits subsided to doubt whether she had been perfectly right a sacrifice was always noble and if she had given away to their entreaties she would have been spared the distressing idea of a friend displeased a brother angry and a scheme of great happiness to both destroyed perhaps through her means to ease her mind and to ascertain by the opinion of an unprejudiced person what her own conduct had really been she took the occasion to mention before mr allen the half-settled scheme of her brother and the thorpes for the following day mr allen quoted it directly well said he and do you think of going too no i had just engaged myself to walk with miss tilney before they told me of it and therefore you know i could not go with them could i no certainly not and i am glad you do not think of it these schemes are not at all the thing young men and women driving about the country in open carriages now and then it is very well but going to inns and public places together it is not right and i wonder mrs thorpe should allow it i am glad you do not think of going i am sure mrs morland would not be pleased mrs allen are not you of my way of thinking do not you think these kind of projects objectionable yes very much so indeed open carriages are nasty things a clean gown is not five minutes wear in them you are splashed getting in and getting out and the wind takes your hair and your bonnet in every direction i hate an open carriage myself i know you do but that is not the question <laughs> do you not think it has an odd appearance if young ladies are frequently driven about in them by young men to whom they are not even related yes my dear a very odd appearance indeed i cannot bear to see it dear madam cried catherine then why did not you tell me so before i am sure if i had known it to be improper i would not have gone with mr thorpe at all but i always hoped you would tell me if you thought i was doing wrong and so i should my dear you may depend on it for as i told mrs morland at parting i would always do the best for you in my power but one must not be over-particular young people will be young people as your good mother says herself you know i wanted you when we first came not to buy that sprigged muslin but you would young people do not like to be always thwarted but this was something of real consequence and i do not think you would have found me hard to persuade as far as it has gone hitherto there is no harm done said mr allen and i would only advise you my dear not to go out with mr thorpe any more that is just what i was going to say added his wife <laughs> mrs allen is useless mr allen is the person to check with <laughs> yeah yeah mrs allen i maybe she's just one of those people that's always in the moment and completely forgets anything that happened before <laughs> well they, they remember at the beginning we got introduced the only thing that she really knows anything about is fabric and mm. fashion and, and she went back. Else. She went back to it here. I told you not to yeah. buy a sprig muslin. I don't remember about telling you to go with Mister Thorpe, but I do remember the muslin. Well, even even the even the uh, Mister Thorpe's like, oh, whatever. Um, eh, it was it was not that bad. Eh, whatever. We can't be too particular. It's like you need to actually do the job that you said you were going to do to my mom, man. Anyway, 
Catherine, relieved for herself, felt uneasy for Isabella, and after a moment's thought, asked Mr. Allen whether it would not be both proper and kind in her to write to Miss Thorpe and explain the indecorum of which she must be as insensible as herself, for she considered that Isabella might otherwise perhaps be going to Clifton the next day in spite of what had passed. Mr. Allen, however, discouraged her from doing any such thing. "'You had better leave her alone, my dear. She is old enough to know what she is about, and if not, has a mother to advise her. Mrs. Thorpe is too indulgent beyond a doubt. But, however, you had better not interfere. She and your brother choose to go, and you will be only getting ill-will.' Catherine submitted, and, though sorry to think that Isabella should be doing wrong, felt greatly relieved by Mr. Allen's approbation of her own conduct, and truly rejoiced to be preserved by his advice from the danger of falling into such an error herself. Her escape from being one of the party to Clifton was now an escape indeed, for what would the Tilneys have thought of her if she had broken her promise to them in order to do what was wrong in itself, if she had been guilty of one breach of her piety only to enable her to be guilty of another? Hmm. So notice she's immediately learnt now. Ask Mr. Allen his opinion. Forget Mrs. Allen on this topic. <laughs> she, she, she learned quite a lot, actually, in that she, I think she finally saw who the Thorpes are, um, although she still seems to have quite an attachment to Isabella, but I think that relationship was damaged through her behavior in this chapter. Mm. Um, but she, she stuck to her guns, and I was rooting for her through that entire argument. They, they, and yeah. and when, when Thorpe came back and said, oh, I told, I told Miss Tilney that you were coming with us, I was like, oh my God, you... You piece of garbage. <laughs> yep, and she, and given the fact that he is untrustworthy, mm -hmm. I mean, you heard it in what she said. Like, yep. he might have mistaken himself again. Like, that's just no. Yep. He has no accountability, no responsibility, and is just an ass. Um, and <laughs> but but and, the most yeah. the most disappointing, of course, was James joined in to admonish her. Well, James is very smitten by Isabella, yes. who is very pretty, and. As we can tell from her interaction of switching from flattery to um, guilting, is very manipulative. This mm -hmm. is a very manipulative person, as is her brother, who just straight up lies. And the fact that he's like, he couldn't just, in order to say, you know, to protect your sister's reputation, you don't think it'd be okay to bring a sister along? Yeah. The, the dude's a real selfish person. And um, um, I, yeah. I did like how Mr. Allen kind of said, you know, don't bother writing to Isabella. Um, she she knows better and she she knows who she is. And if she doesn't, she has a mother who should be uh, disciplining her anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and I you could see that it, Catherine was coming from a good place. Like she mm -hmm. she's like, oh, no, like maybe like she might know as well. I didn't know. Um, and then, yeah, so the fact that she's, I mean, she could tell her brother, but her brother right now is also not happy with her. Mm. And besides which, he's meant to be a grown-up, and he's a man, and of course men do what the heck they want in this society. Um, it's the women that pay the price when they do something that is considered improper, not the men, not mm. usually. Um, there's a bit of a scandal around a man if he does the wrong thing, but there, it, as we can see with the gothic horrors and all that, they're not taken to account for it. They're just kind of like... Ah, uh, men, you know, it's just the way they are. Occasionally they're ruffians or they're, they're brogues or they're rude or whatever. Mm. I mean, the fact that Thorpe has gone through this life and hasn't had to face any consequences so socially 
Yeah, that, you you think he, I mean, I feel like he's got a bad reputation, like just probably, the, yeah, well, probably. I, like if if General Tilney does know him, I have to wonder if the affection he showed towards Catherine when she, she showed up at their door was maybe because of her explanation, and he put it together. Oh, she's not actually really in with that type of person. Maybe, that, but there's also the fact that we've got this situation where we can't tell whether there are people who are insincere and there are people who are sincere and it's very difficult differentiating between them. Mm. So he could be, it could be for real. It could be why he suddenly was saying, but the thing is he, from the get go, the thing that was upsetting him was the way that the servant treated her, (laughs) not that she'd rushed in. And usually if you're someone who is about things being proper and, you know, right. Mm. That would be the thing you, you comment on, not on the servant. Like, yeah, you, the servant would get in trouble as well, but she would be getting into more trouble. Like, he would be like, how dare you kind of come burst into my home? Mm. That's not done. And what kind of, you know, like, it would be a lot of, what what is this hysterical nonsense? Like, kind of, he, he would have been a lot. Yeah, I, I, I see him. I, I don't know if we got a good description, but I see him as having one of those big, bushy, blonde, British mustaches. Like a ni- Nigel I don't Dorn- know if that was Dornberry that of the time. You, we need to look up what was the fashion of the time. Um, I don't know if they were clean shaven and the French weren't or what. Yeah, what, what it's so there. weird as you go through different like generations of history. It's like the, in this 30 year period, men all had beards. In this period, they had mustaches. In this period, they were clean shaven. Yeah, it, it always depends on um, the era or the style or the fashion. Often what the king likes, uh, what the clergy encourage. Yeah, the fashion is very... Sideburns are in. Yeah, I think actually they did have um, lamb chops. Like, that was a thing. <laughs> I can't remember for sure. I might get my errors wrong. And I apologize to any historians that actually do know the difference. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the thing. Like, we have all these... Um... So I was just cheering on Catherine. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. Um, but yeah, Isabella and, and, and... Like, the Thorpes as a family are very questionable in terms of what they consider appropriate and isn't appropriate. In fact, Mm. the way that her brother is actually getting tangled with them. Yeah. What are your feelings on this? What do you feel may be the outcome of this situation? Well, like, I'm feeling a little less inclined towards James because of how he treated his sister in this chapter. But then I do recognize, as you said... He is kind of wrapped around Isabella's Isabella's finger at this point. Like, you know how the book said when Catherine was away talking to Miss Tilney about their walk, they hatched together the scheme. Even though the book didn't say it, I would 100% say that Isabella had the idea and James just went along with it. Well, it was was Isabella said Isabella really wanted to do it. Because she's bored. It's so boring. Everything, Everything's done. I've done all this. It's so boring. Because the whole time, she's whinging about where they are. And, oh, there's only so many, so much you can do in Bath. And it gets boring. Right. And, yeah. Tilney, Tilney was talking about that. He, he, he was he originally it. mocking Catherine about, well, usually after six weeks, people really start to want to be somewhere else. And then Catherine surprised her by saying, oh, not me. I could stay here for six months. 
Yeah, like but, it's like no, this is fun. This is nice. It's lovely. Like it's there's there's walk like well there's the nice uh was it the watering the walking around the water pump room. There's interaction. There's theater. There's um books. So she's just like no, I'm happy. But she's yeah, very I, content. I could see Isabella being exactly the type of person that Tilney was talking about. Who and uh, Tilney I don't was. Tilly was even saying that that's what the fashionable thing is to do. The fashionable mm. thing is to, you know, the hipster expression mm-hmm. that once it's, I was cool before I used to, um, so I had tattoos before it was cool to get tattoos, whatever. Um, <laughs> if it isn't an organic homegrown, uh, cocoa bean that I have cultivated in my, uh, balcony, uh, greenhouse, then I don't want to eat chocolate. Um, whatever. So, I mean, although that's a really cool idea, but no. Um, <laughs> she she no. couldn't keep her snideness going for long. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, and I admire people who grow their own stuff. That's awesome. But I mean, like, if that's the only kind of chocolate that you will touch. Um, like, Pr- pretension. Like, yes, pretension. And I mean, Isabella, what is the first word that comes to mind in the way that we describe Isabella? Well, I think pompous over pretentious, but they're in the same ballpark. Well, pompous is, well, the thing is, she's not even pompous. She knows she's not the top of the food chain, but she behaves as though nothing is good enough for her. Well, yeah, she she knows she's not the top, but she does feel, she does behave like everyone else is below her. Yes. Um, and then the same thing goes with, I mean, Thorpe, what, what, he's what one calls a pompous lying ass i mean there's i don't know what else you can describe him as um is that james james john john, john sorry not james, james yeah, actually just, i i wanted to yeah. bring this up last time um that uh so far in terms of the main male characters in this book we have john james and henry more generic sounding british male names you could not find <laughs> well they 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 are based on actually i was gonna ask uh john we know is biblical james we know is biblical henry i don't think is henry's actually a proper british like it comes from the french most likely but it is it like it's a proper name i'd say this like biblical names aren't proper names no it's As all in, it good doesn't room. You know, it's like it has a it has an origin that is not necessarily. Um, I don't know where it's from. I want to look that one up. I wonder because I feel that, um, I feel that, uh, Jane Austen actually does that where she codes within the names as well. Okay. So, like, are you say picking you have... something up with like Catherine and Isabella? Yeah, I'm just thinking. Th- what is the meaning of their names? Like Isabella is a name of. Um, I mean, different origins, but it. it I want to know who they would be named after. If if this is there's little subtle jabs at at royalty that they're referred to, or the cat. Like I want to know what the meaning of those names is in terms of that is colloquial colloquial meaning at the time. Wasn't um, Isabella a queen? Yes, same was Catherine. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Isabella was a queen of Spain, mm. I want to say. And Catherine was a French, sorry, a Russian yes. monarch. Yes, and I'm trying to remember if they were contemporaries or not. I don't, my, my sense of time is always a bit interesting. Um, I have to look that up. We know Henry's a king's name. But, specifically uh, but I, I don't know, maybe king. Catherine and Isabella are common female names at the time, but it did seem to be kind of a stark, like, 
the female characters have these long uh, names that are, are kind of flowery to me. And then you mm. have John and James and Henry. To be fair, those could just be the names that they use in, in common society versus their full, like, multi-named name. Like, his name, for example, Henry might be James Henry III or whatever. Like, we don't know whether... And a lot of them would have been named um, James because of uh, their various baptisms as well. James uh, and... What was the other? James, John, and Luke, Mark... Basically, Paul. names of the yeah, or the, the yeah, Paul yeah. So those are often um, names that you'd expect with with baptisms and stuff. But yeah, I, I'm curious if there's a pattern in here, and if someone else has has seen it within it. This is probably more symbology work than than that I am capable of. I look for patterns in other stuff. Usually, cells. Full circle. Full circle. Um, <laughs> but so far, tomorrow or tomorrow in our chapter or next chapter, we should have a walk. With the Tilneys. If nothing else goes amiss. If nothing else goes amiss. But I mean, I think she now has the Allens behind her. Uh, well, I, I also cheered when Mr. Allen was like, I don't think you should uh, be around Mr. Thorpe anymore. Yes. And I think that that's the thing that with Isabella, um, sorry, with uh, Mr. Allen having said that, she now can go, I'm sorry, my the the um, Mr. Allen has said I, I'm not allowed to. So no. And they are currently my guardians. So no. And she, she does she does respect her guardians because I, I did like that extra bit where General Tony invited her to dinner and she's like, I would love to, but my my guardians are expecting me back and yeah, so we'll and have I think, to do this yeah. another time. These are these are the people that A, she loves her parents, she trusts her parents, and these are the people also her parents have entrusted her to. Mm. And so she's she at least has some very solid um she has a solid foundation. She just doesn't know the little nuanced, complicated things like as long as there's, um, you know, as long as there's people there to chaperone, it should be fine. But she doesn't understand like the little subtle things like open carriages are actually not probably a bit frowned upon being in a single person oh, with a single. I so laughed she so hard things. at that. Um, just the idea because, you know. I don't think these young people should be gallivanting around in carriages. <laughs> it's just not done. <laughs> well, I think it, he's, it, it is a kind of idleness or it's not con con perceived as constructive. Like at least if they're going for a walk, they're doing something for their health. This is yeah, the time they were in. They're joyriding. Yes. Yeah. So they, they're saying, what's the point? You can't like the conversation, you're dependent on having a good conversation. And if you don't have a person with whom it is appropriate to have a conversation, you can have a conversation without being like behind a, a, a bunch of horses uh, racing through the countryside. Mm. I so, also yes, liked it, um, yeah. uh, one, one final thing I'll bring up is because yeah. uh, there was a lot in that chapter. Um, yeah, yeah. Catherine, you know, she she kind of held on to her moral center during that entire uh, confrontation, and even yeah. when she went over to the Tilney, she still kind of, she still kind of felt she was in the right, even though she felt really bad about it. It was only on going back to her own house when she still felt kind of vindicated about being right. She started, she, even though she kind of held to her morals, which I love about her, she still yeah. questioned. Oh. Was I in the right though? I've, 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 I feel like I've hurt my friends, and it was only then when she 
she thought she'd lay it all out in front of Mr. Allen. And then he said, no, no, you've done the right thing. But but I like yeah. that even though she 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 held on to her morals in a tough situation, which is commendable. But then afterwards, she still questioned like, well, maybe I wasn't right. But no, even as she went over, she was questioning like, Am I acting, even whilst she was also in the argument with them, she was trying to see, is this coming out of a selfish thing? Well, no, because I'd love to go to Blaze Castle. I'd love to go with them on this trip. That would be fun. I'd, I'd enjoy that. So no, um, I've already made a commitment and it's not right to make decisions for me when I'm not there and then expect me to go and break that commitment that I have made independently. Like that's not on. Oh yeah, no, no. Like yeah. how... How angry were, I mean, you've read this before, so you knew that was coming. But how angry were you when you first read what uh, John did? Uh, Barry? Yeah, it's a real dick move. It's beyond dick because he already has seen in this conversation that she doesn't want to do that. So he's he's like, well, I'll go do it for her. So she doesn't have to. And then we'll all be happy. So I, no, you don't get to make a decision for another person. Okay, men anyway do that. And also, who are you to make a decision for her? You're not someone she's interested in, despite the fact that you seem to feel that she is interested in you. She isn't. <laughs> I mean, she said it straight up when when he said, um, I don't go for any other reason other than being in the carriage with you. And this doesn't bring me joy. <laughs> let's have a have a, a little bit of Marie Kondo in there which is kind of funny um, if it doesn't bring you joy you get rid of it yeah um, yes like why why don't they like I don't understand why well, do they're just very selfish and I, mm. even even the fact that she had to go like I've given them an alternative we could go on Tuesday yeah oh but I don't know if I don't want to go to town on Tuesday yeah that was the that 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 was um I was already pretty much like Ugh, these people, but at that point I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me! Yeah, I'm trying I my like, hardest yeah. not to actually swear during this conversation, and it's tough actually when talking about their behavior in this chapter. Yeah, it's not on. I think that's the thing. Like in friendship, don't make decisions for other people, no matter how close you perceive your friendship to be. You do not make a decision for another person, especially when they are, they've are they already told you that they are not interested in that particular approach. And and there are boundaries, buddy. Whew. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> far out. Um, and it's so rude. Like, the, the, like, just they were rude. And I think she also reflected on it. Like, they're, they're very unkind and they're not not considerate and they're very selfish and ungenerous. And, even and she's realizing this now. And I think she's she's still wanting to be her friend, but at the same time, she's very not... I think she's concerned. She's not impressed. Mm. And so, okay, predictions. What do you think is, Isabella's going to be doing? See, that's why I'm worried about the walk tomorrow. They might just show up on Catherine's door and try and force her to go like they did the first time. Um, if not... Uh, Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Isabella still wants to go. But do, do you think that thing about not wanting to be the only woman was a lie or if that's an actual thing? Well, no, like she knows that she shouldn't be the only woman. But she'll probably yeah. go anyway. Yeah, well, 
that's why Catherine's like, maybe I should leave them a message that she know she knows is actually considered improper. I don't think she knows. It's like, well, look, she's old enough to know better. And if they decide to go, that's their choice. You don't. Don't mm. get involved in that. And and I like the fact that Mrs. Allen, that Mr. Allen said, just don't, like, they're grown-ups. They know what they're doing. If they're choosing to make those choices, you cannot be responsible for the bad choices of others. Mm. Um. Uh, so we've got this situation that, like, so Isabella, in terms of her interaction and relationship with Catherine, what what do you feel like would happen? Would she be, she'd be like, oh, well, whatever. That was such a silly thing. You're such a silly goose. I'm still, like, warm and friendly and whatever. Hmm. I, I think underneath, she's mad at Catherine, but the next time she wants to hang out, she'll act like nothing ever happened. Hmm. Or do you think she might cold shoulder her? I don't. Like, ugh, it's tough. Well, there's a challenge because she's trying to get to know the brother. Yes, like John would definitely show up the next day like nothing had ever happened. But Isabella's a little more, I think she takes things to heart a little more. Or she's vindictive. She's a bit nasty. So we don't know with Isabella. It's not made clear so far in the writing. Like We're getting little insights into her being slightly sly and vindictive. Mm. Um. And bearing in mind that they are both, Mr. and Miss Thorpe are both the children of Mrs. Thorpe, and as to whether that's something she's encouraged in them. Mm. Um, and in terms of the, the, the fact that she switched and was in this very cold, um, this was the thing that made, made uh, Catherine just the final straw was, uh, you are the most um, best tempered of my sisters. I'm not less now, I hope. But if I'm wrong, I'm going to go do believing what is right. And Isabella's going, I suspect there is no great struggle. In other words, you don't actually care for me as a friend. Like, oh. Yeah. And that's where Catherine's heart's just swelling with, with upset, with anger, with passion, with whatever. Hmm. She pulls away her arm and just... Yeah. Yeah. And it was be- this was before she said she was going to go to the... This is before Thorpe said... I've done mm. this. She pulled away from Isabella before. Yeah. And he's like, I've settled it. It's all good. And she's like, what the hell? No. Yeah. Because she'd already, the thing is, had Isabella not said that, she might have been upset at Thorpe, but not have run off to tell the Tilneys, no, no, no. But because Isabella said, you don't actually want to be with me. You don't want to actually be my friend. I'm sure you're not actually, you know, like you're you're not kind and best tempered or whatever you know that kind of thing well she she was saying you're you're lying yes yeah which yeah if we've said this before about isabella but if she really knew catherine she would never accuse her of such a thing yes it's like that idea of telling her that oh yeah whatever she was already upset and had she had she not been upset she would have maybe not reacted the same way with when thorpe did his absolute asinine thing and that made her angry. Like this, you could tell she swapped, swapped right into anger. Hmm. Um, and there's just very foolish people. It's just she's like these people are rude. Uh, I don't know whether she thinks it just to be Thorpe, and real it doesn't. The fact that Isabella doesn't perceive that as rude as well, and is very selfish, is is slowly come coming out to the fore. Um, yeah, this was like. It, <laughs> It's interesting that we don't have a conversation here with Catherine and um, Mr. Tilney. That it's just generally like, it was just like this polite conversation and she just popped in, for she sorted it out. 15 minutes she stayed and then she she left. 
Um, and the fact that she's also obedient to Mr. and Mrs. Allen, I think she's showing in her own actions that she doesn't like these people. It's the Thorpes that are actually causing a lot of this trouble. Yeah. And that she's getting caught between it. But we will see how things go. Yeah. it's Well, it's weird as well to have this almost kind of blow up at this point in the book because I foresee the Thorpe sticking around to the end unless the story really just goes to a new in a new direction with new players. But um, mm. it, yeah, to like this, this is almost the kind of thing to terminate a friendship. Really, it, it would be. But the thing is that now Catherine has she knows she's got Mr. Allen in her corner. Mm. But I think she also still assumes innocence. She's still assuming like that, 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 oh, is it a, no, Isabella mustn't have known. She mustn't know that that's not proper or she wouldn't do it because she herself constantly makes sense. Oh, but that wouldn't be proper. So it's curious. We will find out. Yeah. Maybe she has that belief that there really aren't bad people in the world. Just those who don't know any better. Yes. Well, Catherine, remember that was the description of her, that she's very young. She's fairly naive, but she sees the, she's kind. Hmm. And she sees the good in people. And that's not a bad trait. But you do need to be aware that there are people who take advantage of that. And she yeah. doesn't know that yet. Um, and I don't remember. She she and her, right at the beginning, we had this discussion or this description that she and her brother are not used to, or she's not used to in their family, people saying one thing and meaning another. Mm. Or people lying. Yeah. Dishonesty is not something they've been exposed to in their particular little bubble of the family. And um, though she's read of people being like, she's read those horror stories and she's read um, like extreme manipulation and really horrible, uh, scandalous behavior. But that's fiction for her. Mm. And usually those that behavior is extreme. Like it's not subtle. It's usually quite extreme behavior. What I read in books, that doesn't happen every day. Well, she she does imagine it might, but not the way that she like not i think she's not used to the subtle versions like the subtle versions are people being malicious or mean or manipulative for their own sake like for themselves to get an advantage for themselves and it's little things like i want to go for a trip to blaze castle it's okay to bully the person that i say is my friend or my sister or my whatever to get my way of doing things for my my agenda or my objection uh, my object to get mm. fulfilled and that's not usually what in these these um horror books would be it would be things like kidnapping the woman on the eve of her wedding and and take, taking her to a castle and forcing her to the bride to marry him instead and you know like it's that and then mm. that, that kind of stuff whereas it's a lot more dramatic and over the top but really yeah. the most harm does tend to happen or the most horror tends to happen in subtle increments yeah. and in subtle ways <sighs> yes that may also be a little bit of a, a little insight in what to expect for the way the perception of what is horror or what is a gothic romance like what is the gothic drama side of this that's a, you know it's subtle sometimes or it could be extreme we don't know <laughs> well it's it's also that idea that you know people 
most people don't wake up one day as an evil monster. It's like years of taking one small step after another in that direction. Yeah. It's compromises. It's having all these little compromises. And I mean, Isabella is a person who compromises a lot. Mm -hmm. Because she knows what her object is, is that she needs to, within the next year or two, get married. And yeah. preferably to money. Yeah. Which, yeah. it's still kind of a source of humor for me that it feels like both Thorps still think that the Morlins are loaded. Yeah, that does seem to be going on there. But also they there's a um how do I put it? The I think we, we look at this this behavior, even the argument about let's go for a, a ride or whatever, all this stuff, how much of it is because they're genuinely wanting to have fun and the affection and how much of it is to reinforce an image in order to convince people that they think are wealthy that they belong. And that they would be a good catch. Yeah. So it's a real, like, they're they're behaving in a way that they think needs to be the, that is appropriate behavior for that particular set of people. So for their target, so to speak. Gallivanting around the countryside in the carriage. Well, the way that Catherine makes assumptions about, sorry, Catherine, Isabella makes assumptions about Catherine and then vocalizes them. And Catherine's like, no, that's not who I am as a person. But Isabella's projecting an image of what she expects people of that type to be, or she's projecting herself onto yes. her. So there's all these things that are going on that are a lot more subtle, but a lot of it has to do with, to be blunt, the social system that they had in place, which mm. was... We were talking about it in earlier um, episodes, this absolute desolation and devastation that was happening for those who couldn't secure adequate funding or were falling off the edges of polite society or all this stuff. Like there was, there's, there was no security and there was war. There was conflict. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it, how much of this is due to unfortunate circumstances, how much is choice, how much of it is assumption. It's such a blend. And, as you were saying, it doesn't take, you don't wake up one morning and decide to be an evil person. It's not like how, how it happens. It's subtle. Mm. It starts with a subtle compromise and then it keeps going and you do further compromises because the first compromise wasn't that bad. Well, and also the idea that um, wherever you are feels normal to you. Mm. So yeah, you, you keep moving in a certain direction and even though it might be uncomfortable to take those steps, once you take them, the next day you can wake up and go, yeah, this feels right. Yeah. And the thing is, you could use that for good, where you mm -hmm. push through something that's uncomfortable and you do something and it's actually um, to advance and to progress as a person and to make choices that are, uh, I guess, having a constructive effect on yourself and others is how mm -hmm. I'm going to phrase it. So, yeah. Or you can make that to go, well, it's OK. I could, if I cheat on this exam, it's just it's just for this exam. I'm just cheating mm -hmm. on this exam. Because the the uh, look, I need it. I've, I've got too many other ex assignments at the same time. If I just cheat on this one, I'll never do it again. But then it's like, okay, well, maybe you'll do it again. And then maybe you'll do it again. And then ne next time it's a, it's... I, I like how your example <coughs> went right to academia. Of course. But also, it, we're full circle. <laughs> we're coming back. <laughs> we are. You, you um, know, mine my, my was always um, looking up uh, solutions to puzzles and video games. My, yeah. I always knew that... If, if I went to the walkthrough on the internet the first time, then the next time I get stuck, it will be a lot easier to go back to the walkthrough rather than maybe push a little harder and get through the puzzle. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. Like Sometimes you're better off with puzzles. Step away from it for a bit and mm -hmm. then come back. If you're not going to get gratification from this, go do something else that you will get gratification, your dopamine hit from. Well, and, and it's, it's interesting. Um, 
because I've just got started getting back into crosswords again. Hmm. And there actually this has happened with all puzzles, but you know, um, there, there's a stark difference between, I think, knowing the answer and not knowing the answer. It's that it's the idea where you look at the clue and you look at the letters you have and the answer just comes to you. And that's like, yeah, yeah you know, you've got it. But then I find that when it doesn't come to me, I could I could push more brain power at it, but it's not going to come to me. It's almost like because it didn't come instantly, I'm starting to understand, oh, I actually don't know this. So I need to go do something else because maybe I need to mull it over. But if I keep actually trying to brute Fix force it, my yeah, brain yeah. into the problem, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And that's that's generally a lesson that sometimes we have to learn. I have to do that when I'm writing. I'm like, I know there's a sentence that would fit here. I need to step away for 10 minutes, mm. drink a cup of tea, come back. And, I've, and, I've, yeah. and I've, I've found questions are a really good way as well. Now, in yes. my last... Um, in my last video I made for YouTube when I was writing the script, I'd get to that point where I didn't know what to write next. And I would just ask myself, what's the next sentence? And lo and behold, within like five seconds, I'm like, oh, well, I kind of want to do this. Oh, there we go. We're off again. Yeah. yeah. You know? Or trying to you put yourself like the concepts down. So, it, yeah, it's it's a it's definitely it's a thing. It's a thing is how we trick our brain. Brains are complicated and fun and, and worth looking into neuroscience because it's fun to do. Um, But yes, on that note. We shall resume next episode with chapter 14 of um, Northangari. The music at the top of the podcast for this season, as always, was by Charlie Mole, played by the Regency Players from an adaptation of Northanger Abbey. And the music at the end of the podcast was Frank Zappa's I Am The Slime. You can find me on Twitter at Rue McMoo, that's R-O-O-M-C-M-O-O, I am over on Twitter at Dave underscore the underscore turnip. You can find our Twitter page and Facebook page for the podcast at SMBSLT podcast. And if you put an at gmail.com to the end of that, you will be able to email us as well. We'd love to hear feedback on, uh, through any of these avenues. Um, what do you think of the books we're reading? What do you think of the podcast? Uh, what do you think of our discussion? Do you have suggestions for future books you would like us to read? We will take them under consideration. And so we leave you until next week. Enjoy your reading. Stay safe and till next time. Bye.